until you've done it, it's going to be new to you. So there's going to be some fear of the unknown, some uncertainty. And if you let that get in your way, you'll always find a reason why not to do something. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing? Maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fund That Flip. You know Fund That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fund That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Dan Lesniak. How you doing, Dan? Great. How are you doing, Joe? I am doing great as well. Thanks for asking me and thanks for being on the show. A little bit about Dan. He is a real estate broker, developer, and author. His company is Orange Line Living. He is the author of the Hyperlocal, Hyperfast Real Estate Agent. He made $500,000 gross in his first year as a real estate agent. And he is based in Arlington, Virginia. With that being said, Dan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Just real quickly, I started off in real estate about five years ago. I had a great first year right out the gate. I, I did about $22 million in sales, 36 transactions. And shortly after that, I started to form a team. Eventually, I met my wife through real estate. She also had a team. So we combined the two teams into one that we co-run with a couple different brands. So right now, we've got our own brokerage. We've got about 36 people and we sell about 350 homes a year. So that's a big focus of us, of course. Second thing we focus on is development deals. So my wife has a background in new construction sales that she did before she got into general brokerage. And as a part of our general brokerage strategy, she's helped a lot of custom builders do infill deals in our area. So we've got a whole program geared at generating lots for builders. And a couple of years ago, we started to realize we should become partners in some of these deals with the builders, you put our own money and, and get our own loans and raise our own money from investors. So we've expanded and started to do that. We typically do four to six homes a year. They're usually complete teardowns and new construction. And that's been going well. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the book came out a couple months ago and it's been doing well. It talks about my first year in real estate and some of the strategies I use to grow so quickly in an area. So that's kind of a little bit of a background of where I've been and what we're doing now. We've got a lot to talk about and I'm looking forward to digging into the details. Let's start with probably the area that you get asked most frequently, but it's for good reason. Your first year grossing $500,000 and $22 million in sales, 36 transactions. What are the strategies that you use to grow so quickly and do that? The biggest kind of overarching principle was to really focus on a process I call STP, which is segmentation, targeting, and position. So segmenting is how you divide the market up 
basically how are you going to cut this pie that we call the market target is which of those segments are you going to go after and then positioning is how are you going to position yourself to that segment as the person that can create value for them and ideally the most value so when you're thinking about the focus you want to have the segment you want to go after it's important to make it small enough that you can have an impact so the smaller it is the smaller the market piece you're going after the easier it is to have an impact your energy your time your marketing dollars are going to go further if they're concentrated mm-hmm. amongst fewer people so it's important to do that and important to pick a segment that has a cohesive profile so that you can send a marketing message that will really appeal to them that being said it is possible to pick a segment that's too small if you own a hundred percent market share of a segment that produces four or five transactions a year that's not going to be a very good business so it's got to be a big enough market share that if you were to become the top agent in that segment that you'd be able to have a good business off it. But I feel like most agents, especially when they're starting out, try to go after too big of an area or too widespread of an area. That the typical strategy is they go after their sphere of influence, their SOI. That's going to be a very diverse, both economically, socially, geographic group. So mm-hmm. you're missing out on a lot of benefits there. So in my case, I decided to basically go after the buildings that I lived in at the time. It was only had about 200 homes. So I started to get a few of the sales in there and then kind of spread out into other adjacent buildings and houses. Going after the sales and the buildings you were living in? So it's, you were living in a condo building? Correct. Yeah, I was, I was living in the condo building. It was about three to four years old at the time. So it was about the point where people are starting to outgrow their condos. So turnover was starting to happen. But yeah, initially, I just really focused on 182 condos that I thought would be coming up for resale soon. And I got a few clients there. And luckily, most of the people selling there were looking to move into adjacent condo or townhouse communities. So that kind of just helped me naturally spread from one building to kind of all the buildings around one metro stop and then to the next metro stop and so forth. So it really all started with having narrow geographic focus and specific target. And all of my marketing was positioned and directed to those people. Mm. You have provided insights that I've seen Tim Ferriss talk about John Lee Dumas on Entrepreneur on Fire, his recap of a thousand interviews that he did with entrepreneurs. He mentioned the same thing you mentioned. They're smart, which is smart, but I didn't mean to say smart. The smaller the market piece you go after, the easier it is to have an impact. And that is initially counterintuitive to a lot of people, myself included, Because when you get started, you want to reach everyone. You want to grow your business to reach as many people as possible. But the reality is if you start with a very specific group in mind, deliver on those expectations or exceed their expectations, then you can grow and evolve from there. And is that what you did? Yeah, I started out there. I I probably that first year got close to 50% of the market share in that building and then You do open houses there, so you're getting directional signs. You start mailing about those success stories to 
adjacent areas and, and now you've got sellers that are looking to move into bigger townhomes or bigger condos so you can go to those areas and tell them hey i've got the buyers so by starting small and, and really just trying to get one two three four sales in that first building i was able to have some quick success that i was able to leverage into more success let's talk about development deals as a real estate agent or and now broker you have evolved your business which i compare it to a fix and flipper evolving their business from fix and flipping to then investing those profits into long-term rentals so instead of you being transaction focused which you still do where you sell homes but you also have the long-term play where you're an owner on these development deals what was the biggest challenge that you and your wife had evolving from transaction-based to then becoming partners on the development deals? Initially, it was just such a big capital commitment. The first deal we did was a one-acre home in Arlington. They contacted us, wanted to downsize into one of the townhouses we were selling. And I knew that that townhome was going to sell quickly, so they couldn't write a contingent offer. But I knew I'd be able to quickly sell their existing home. And my wife said, hey, that's one acre. We can probably get like four or five houses out of that. Most of the homes in Arlington are on like an eighth of an acre or smaller. So we decided to buy it from them directly so that they could move into the townhouse that they wanted. So they were happy about that. But it was a $2 million purchase for us, which at the time was a lot. And we didn't have a history of development at the time. So bank options were requiring us to put 30%, 40% down, things in that nature. So it was just kind of that first big initial one was a little scary. And you know, we just kind of jumped into the deep end. How'd you get, get the money? And we, did, did you, was that your own money? Half of it was our own money. And then we ended up partnering with one of the top two or three builders in the area that, that do custom homes. And they put up the other half of the money. And we basically became a 50-50 partner. And our role was to give input on design and what the end product should look like and then to sell the four homes. And their role was to do the engineering and, and build the homes. So we each put in half the work and half the equity. So did it was you, kind of a... Did you pay cash for that, a million each, or did you have a loan? We got a loan. So we ended up putting 300K each and then a loan for 1.4. Okay. What type of process did you have to go through to get approved for the loan? Anything noteworthy? Well, we, we, went, we went with a small local bank. They tend to be the ones that do the investment and spec build type loans, the bigger banks. And regional banks seem to stay away from those. So it was a local bank. We, we had to provide them with personal financial statements and a few years of our earnings and tax returns. But... Other than that, I don't think it was too out of the ordinary. Okay. Um, a little bit legal work. We had to form a separate LLC with the builder, but that wasn't too big of a hurdle either. Have you sold those four homes? Yeah, those four were done about two years ago. We sold the fourth. So overall, it was a really great project. I think we put in 300 k to kind of get it going, and I think we walked away with about... 480 in profit and it took a little under three years total. 
yeah, we were happy with it. Do you take any of those profits or maybe not those particular profits, just profits in general, and then invest in long-term real estate for you and your wife? We haven't yet. We've bought and sold rental homes before, and typically we've done that through our guaranteed sale program. So we have a program where we guarantee the sale of homes for move-up buyers and give them a price up front. They agree to it, great. If their home doesn't sell, we buy it at that price. So we've acquired two or three rentals through that program, and, and so we've definitely used some of the profits to do that. We haven't really held on to any of them for more than a few years. We tend to kind of rent them, try to get them cash flowing. But if we see a chance to sell for a profit later, we do that. So we've done that. We've reinvested some of that money into two new projects. And then the other thing we've added, we've got three different development deals going on now. But now what we've added, because of our success on the first one and because of some of our past clients have heard about that. They've wanted to participate somehow. So we've basically gone out and we raised the majority of the down payment money now and put those people in kind of like a second position behind the bank and they get a preferred return of 15%. So now we're able to do projects of similar size, but not have to write such enormous checks to do it. Mm-hmm. A 15% preferred return. is. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. And how long does a project usually take? Two, three years? If it's one house, it's about a year because we have done some where it's just you buy one house, tear it down, build a new one. If it's a subdivision where we're going to take one or two houses and try to get four out of them, that can take about two years. And let's go with just one house to keep things simple. One house, take about a year, that 15% return, that isn't paid out once you close and start working on it, it's deferred until you actually liquidate. Then they get the first 15%. Is that accurate? Correct. So if they put in 100K and it takes 12 months, we're writing them a check at the end for 115. Okay. And do they have any upside on the deal or is it just a 15%? No, it's just so far the only structure we've used has been a straight 15%. Okay. And when I say just, I mean, 15% is amazing. (laughs) I don't mean to trivialize that. I was just curious if there's any equity participation. Okay. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I think that my best advice would be to just find something that you like and that excites you and just jump in and do it. There's probably dozens of ways or even hundreds of ways to make money in real estate. And until you've done it, it's going to be new to you. So there's going to be some fear of the unknown, some uncertainty. and If you let that get in your way, you'll always find a reason why not to do something. So real estate's got the advantage of having a lot more flexibility than most investments. If, if the market turns on you, you don't have to just throw up the flag and surrender. You've got options. You can refinance, restructure, change the purpose of whatever you're doing. So there's usually a way to make it work. So my biggest advice would just to find something that really interests you and learn about it, read about it, get a mentor if you can and jump in and do it. I'm the same way. I have a similar mentality as the one you described. Pros and cons to that mentality. 
what's a disadvantage that you've come across with having the jump in mentality? Well, you might not do it the best way. You might read something wrong and make a mistake or even lose money when you kind of do it that way. What about a specific example for you? Can you think of a specific example where it, it hasn't worked out? Yeah, the biggest example for me was probably about 12 years ago. So it was a long time ago, but I, I started buying my first one when I was fairly young, I think 23. And I was in the Navy, so I had access to VA financing. So it was pretty easy because you didn't have to put any money into it. And you know, especially back then, anybody could get a loan in 2004 or five. So I bought my first home in Jacksonville, Florida. That went up in value a lot. I think like a 25% increase the first year or two. So I bought a second one and that was going well. And then they were building some new condos in downtown Jacksonville. And I thought, oh, I can get in pre-construction, put down a deposit to hold it. And then in two years or a year and a half, when they said it would be done, I can sell it and flip it make a ton of money. Well, uh, it worked out well for my first two homes in Jacksonville. I made, I think, $60,000 on the first one. And that was uh, having put nothing into it when I bought it. But the uh, condo, they said it was going to take a year and a half to build. It took closer to two and a half, I believe. And by then the market had turned. So I basically had to walk away in my deposit, which at the time was close to $40,000. So it was pretty tough to do. The developer was pressuring me to close, and my parents actually were too. They were like, what about that money you're going to lose? And In my mind, I had made money down in Jacksonville, so I was happy about that. But I was also buying a condo in Arlington at the time. So in my mind, had I made money in the Jacksonville scenario, or had I not lost that $40,000, the $400,000 condo that I was buying in Jacksonville probably would have cost $500,000. Because you're really only going to lose in a down market if you sell and don't get back in. So I was sort of took comfort in the fact that although I was losing 40 grand down in Jacksonville, A, I made about that much on the first house I did down there, but B, I was buying a home to live in up in Arlington, D.C. area. And had the nation's market been such that the Jacksonville home worked out, I would have paid just as much if not more, for the home in Arlington. So that was a good lesson, but mm -hmm. it was, you know, I, I think I looked at it in a way that was healthy, and it's helped me in evaluating investments since. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at 
www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com forward slash show. Best ever book you've read? Tony Robbins, Awake the Giant. Best ever deal you've done? The deal I described earlier where we bought the one acre lot for $2 million and then turned it into four homes. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that you have not mentioned already? I think there was a deal once where we waived the home inspection, the property we were acquiring for investment, and we ended up having to do a lot more fixes than we originally anticipated. So it was the deal where we should have had the home inspection or, or looked a little bit closer before we made the offer. What's the best ever way you like to give back? We love partnering with local charities. There's a couple that we've partnered with for a few years now. Number one is Doorways for Women and Families. They help women specifically, but also families that are going through hard times, get back on their feet and get into safe housing and then educate them so that they can get out of tough situations and go on and live happy lives. So yeah, Doorways for Women and Families has been a great partner for charity. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? What's the best way? You can go to my website, livetheorangeline.com or hyperlocalhyperfast.com. Either one of those two. Dan, thank you for talking to us about what you're doing in particular, how you're generating multiple revenue streams with your company, how you got started in selling homes, a very strategic approach, the segmentation, targeting, and position approach and how you mentioned the smaller the market piece you go after the easier it is to make an impact make sure you have a large enough to actually make an impact but be very specific and intentional and pick a segment that has a cohesive profile so that when you send the message to that segment it will resonate with the majority of the segment additionally how you're partnering with builders to develop properties bring in money now bringing your money and investor money and sharing in those profits. In that one example you gave us, you put in 300000 It was the first deal that you did. It was a big old one at the time. And I imagine three hundred k is still a large deal to you, but still relative to the amount that you had been doing in the past, three hundred k certainly was a big chunk. And you ended up making over $400,000 in a course of less than three years. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Joe. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellin.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N dot com forward slash show.